So, hey, what's up? This is Dustin Hill. And this is Greg Westbury. Welcome to the HRBB Podcast. Recording from our headquarters in Old Town Orange, welcome to the Hot Rod by Boyd Podcast. Right on, guys. Well, let's get right into it, man. Let's welcome you guys to the show. What's up, Greg and Dustin? How are we doing today, fellas? Doing doing really good. good. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Doing good. Yeah, it's a nice no, little Friday. It's uh, you know, it's Friday, right? And yeah. Halloween's tomorrow. Yeah, but you know, Whoa. you guys are both in California, Whoa, right? Greg, how funny is or Chris? How funny is that? Like, it was Halloween when I met you guys. Was it? So okay, let's talk. So let's so let's just jump right into this. Yeah, Dustin Hill, um, you were uh, we met you when you were a kid, and we're gonna get into that. But you are in in you were the. Uh, Back then, the uh, up and coming young artist, right? So yeah, I uh, guess you could call. And then, me that. and then we're gonna we're gonna get in. Uh, then we're gonna tell that story, and then we're gonna jump in. And Greg's gonna jump in because then he comes along a little later. So let's let's talk about this. Let's how go did, back in time. How did, you, how, did you, how did we meet? Because you know what, I was. You said this was 1984. So thriller was probably. Yeah, that's what I think it was. Yeah. Was this? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, this is Halloween. I and, and was this where? Was this where my mom was out of town? Was she in town? No, your mom. Your mom was very much in town. Okay, because there was a time. There was a time where my dad had Halloween duties, and and Greg. The only the only costume Greg had was dressing up like a girl, and he went to go dress up like a girl, and he, and he comes out of the bathroom, and my dad says, "No, no, no, we're not going trick or treating." <laughs> so that, that that's that story. That's but that was a different different Halloween. So. Well, I, I probably I did that too, just to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so everybody's, everybody's done it once. <laughs> All right, so Dustin, I, I tried it every Halloween, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so oh, so, so you were sixteen then, right? So yeah, yeah, you... I was. Yeah, I I know I was sixteen because your mother made me pick you two up from school, and um, and you guys had a brand new Eldorado. It was just a few days old, and Boyd had said. She's going to fuck this car up. She picked me up from the Orange County. What is it? Like the Orange County Airport. Yeah, John Wayne Airport. And she's like, yeah, and we're navigating. She's telling me each city. And I'm like, you know, 16 years old, just landed from Indiana. I, I don't care what, what city we're in, Diane, but keep going. And uh, <laughs> she was, uh, we get onto the freeway and there was this box. that was like the size of a refrigerator on the freeway. And I'm like. I'm 16. I can barely drive, but I'm like, you might want to get around that. Nope, nope. Or just hit it. So she fucking hit this box. <laughs> oh my god! No way. She hit really? This box. Yeah, and it gets stuck to the front end of the car. And I keep saying, you want to just pull over? Like, I'll pull it off the front end of the car. And she's like, no, that's fine. And it's beating the shit out of the uh, <laughs> the paint on the hood. <laughs> so we cool. drove all the way to your house, Chris, <laughs> with this. Cardboard box stuck to the front end of the Cadillac. Oh, that's funny. That's the best. <laughs> and that, so that's on Halloween. Yeah. Oh wow, that's crazy. It was the that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Mother. Tomorrow's Halloween, so that would have been, oh geez, that would have been that's thirty six years ago. Damn. Yeesh. Yeah. Yeesh. Jesus. Right. And then before I forget this, because we're gonna get off on a tangent. She had me pick you and your brother up from school, and she had run into something earlier in the day when we ran to the store, and she told Again? your dad twice that in I one day. Yeah, she ran into something and then told your dad that I was the one that did it. 
No so way. Pulls Jesus. Jesus. Boyd pulls me outside and goes, you didn't really do this, did you? And I'm like, you're, you're, Diane's going to be really mad if I tell you the truth. And he's like, no, I know. She wrecks the thing all the time. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, she threw you under the bus. Oh, that's she funny. sure did. Uh, so what, I mean, so let's, let's go back even further. What brought you, I mean, how did you get in contact with my dad? How did, what brought you out to California at that point? Cause did you come by yourself well, the first time? Yeah. Um, so what happened was, uh, my dad was good friends with Don McNeil. Okay. Yeah. And he had inter- he and we were out for our big California vacation when I was 15 and a half or 15. And um, so Don's like, you have to go by Boyd's shop. And we knew who you, you know, guys were. But so we go by, and uh, it was when the shop was behind the house. Yes. And uh, Boyd treated us like we were somebody, you know, I'm just some kid. And my dad, you know, my, my brother and my dad and I went in, my mom sat in the car. Um, as we toured your, you know, the facility behind the house that your mom now lives in, I think. Yep. Right. Yep. The old, the original shop. Yes, sir. And it was just neat. Cause this guy took his time to show us around and he was literally on a lathe when we walked in working on this piece of aluminum and taught, walked us around. And then cut to uh, the Street Rod Nationals the next summer. I'm there with Barry Lobeck, who's a good friend of mine at the time. I'm, you know, I'm 15, but I was a whack job. Like if I, if I liked you or if I liked your your cars, I would just contact these people and become their friends. So Barry's like, you need to meet this guy, and he introduces me to your dad. And uh, Boyd was like, oh, we've already met, but he, I had a uh, a drawing pad with me. And Barry's like showing Boyd my artwork. And the next thing, I mean, so your dad and I were talking on the phone like two 16 year old girls. Um, and he's like, I should fly you out here. And I'm like, sure. So he's, that's by, it was the summer, that summer before. And then when I was, uh, so when I was 16, it was Halloween that he flew me out that day. That's awesome. That's how I kind of really got to know your dad and started going to the shop and, you know, drawing stuff for your dad and stuff. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, that's, that's back cool. then you talk about just contacting, you know, my dad or Barry Lobeck. I mean, you did it the old school way. You went up at a car show, introduced yourself, right? Or you picked up the phone. Or maybe Absol- a, no, I, I would walk up to people. I, w- I would walk up to people. My dad was like always shocked. Like he's like, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, I just did. Um, I'm <laughs> well, sure. and it. Okay. You know, and it got you out to California, right? Right. You know, that's, that's he what did got, that. him a free, got him a plane ticket. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's kind of cool. If it was a hustle, I won. <laughs> yeah. And did you, and, and you stayed in probably in the spare bedroom there, which many, I, many visit. Oh, boy. All right. I was just telling Greg this, Greg Westbury. Oh, um, we're going to talk about the cat. We are. So, <laughs> all right. So, this might be I the end of the podcast. You're. <laughs> Your dad's like, be up early. Your dad said, be up early. And I'm like, okay. You know, I don't know what early is. And I, you know, I barely slept because I was so excited. I'm in California. I literally said to your dad, I'll sleep when I'm back in Indiana. Um, so your, your dad's up at like 4 a.m., wakes me up at 4.30. And uh, I try to go back to sleep. And then you guys had an orange cat, I think. Maybe. <laughs> and we're dogs. Yeah. We're dog people. I mean, I have a pet skunk now, but we're dog people. So this cat with, like crawls on top of my face and starts licking me with his raspy tongue. <laughs> and, and then Boyd walks in 
And I'm sure it looked like some bad scene, but, um, you know, that got me up. And I'll just never forget because I'd never been around a cat in my life. Yeah, you know, cats, I think now at that he point. Has, now cats... he has 10 of them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Makes for a better story. Yeah, I think it, it, fact, at that point, little... we were never cat people. Then all of a sudden, we had a stray cat. And yeah. then, uh, you know, I talked my mom and dad into keeping it. And then after that, it turned into like eight cats, I think, you know. <laughs> So yeah, yeah so my dad wasn't shit. my dad wasn't very a very uh, he wasn't a big animal person until later on in life. So, <laughs> so yeah, you know, you're basically oh. was art your thing? Was drawing cars your thing? Because I know you know with with you and your brother, it's always I mean I've always remembered you guys as just buying cars, fixing up you know or slamming them, putting wheels on them, selling them. You know I mean you guys are all, <laughs> yeah, you know, but as Offing far as your dad's wheels, yeah, because I remember yeah. Um, Go ahead. You remember what? No, I was just saying. I remember. I always remember you originally as being this young artist. You know. Yeah, I was just. I started drawing the minute I could get my hand around a pencil. You know, I was. I was. My dad was an artist, and um, I always thought that was really cool. He did kind of Ed Roth style art. Okay. And then, um, the minute I started drawing, I kind of was looking up to like, like Tom Taylor was my idol, so. I kind of drew with a style of his. In fact, <laughs> that's a whole nother phone call. But um, he he wasn't really upset that I knocked his style off so well. Yeah, well, th- <laughs> let's okay. Let's apology. you brought it up. Let's jump right into it, right? Sure. You now, we, so, I, I've come up with this thing. Like you, we're talking all these different artists. Uh, you know, you've made it in the in the automotive you know, art world, right? Of design. When you piss somebody off. No, when when you get a Tom Taylor call. <laughs> Right. When what? Wait, what did you say, Chris? When you get a Tom Taylor call, right? If yes. you, if you so get a you, Tom, do you know about? The, so you know not, about this call? Okay, I think you've told me before, but but we've had several artists on the podcast. They all have had a Tom Taylor call. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we've, seriously, we've had, Dude, at least had three no or four no so Actually, not that freaking special. Hey, by the way, if I drop an F bomb, can you delete it? Oh, it's all good. No, 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 we do not delete that. <laughs> yeah, it's no. explicit content. We only we have we have very few rules on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, we just say uh, okay. bomb away. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, okay, don't be good. racist so, and don't threaten to kill anybody. Other yeah. than that, just yeah, we're good. You're good. So I got the job at Andy's T-shirts. Uh, I met um, my dad and I decided to do T-shirts one year for the Street Rod Nationals. My truck was done, the Model A. And we were getting some notoriety and I'd always, you know, I've been drawn. So I was like, why don't we just do a t-shirt line? So we did. And, um, this guy talked us into printing a thousand shirts and we sold 700 of them. And we found out later, you're lucky if you sell like a hundred at a show. Oh yeah. So we did really, we you did sold really 700 well, at a show at a cart at the street rod nationals. It was pretty cool actually. Wow. We, but, and that talk, was your, that was my mom is still complaining about the 300 we still have. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, to this day um that's funny so uh so we're at the street rod nationals and uh terry brizio comes into our our display and um anyway long story short i, I got a job uh working for the brizio family at andy's t-shirts which was also a pretty big deal in my life that's how i met greg actually which we'll talk about in a minute um uh but uh so uh, my dad, like a few months into my job at Andy's T-shirts, now my stuff is actually, you know, my art's going everywhere because I'm drawing for T-shirts. So my, uh, Tom Taylor calls my dad 
and basically gave him the cease and desist. <laughs> He's like, tell your kid. Well, first of all, he wanted to know who, who built my truck. And my dad was like, we both built it. And he's like, really? You didn't build it? And my dad's like, well, I did a lot of work. But, you know, he did a lot of work, too. And uh, and then he gets on to the point of the call, which was tell your son to change his freaking style. Because it looks just too much like mine. Which, oh, come on. You know, really? I was like, yeah, I'm like 20 years old. Well, I was like 15 when I started knocking him off. He was just my idol. And so... At the time, all I could hear when my dad was talking was, Tom Taylor found our phone number and called my dad. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> obviously, obviously, he felt threatened by what you were doing right. early on, right? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and then funny. I talked to Andy and, what's that? That's funny. No, that's typical. <laughs> Tom Taylor. And I hope they have Tom on one day, you know? Uh, I'm you thinking, should, I, dude. I'm thinking, honestly, I think if Trump doesn't get reelected, I have a better chance. So, Probably yes. Oh my yeah. <laughs> but so when did Good you, luck if he does. So did you you worked at the shop for a period of time? I did. So your dad, you know, when I was fifty six whatever, when he was flying me back back and forth to California, he was like, Here's what I want you to do. He gave me homework. And he said, I want you to go home and I want you to draw your favorite hot rod. I want you to draw the car you want to build. And I went home and I drove drew a twenty nine model A pickup which I didn't know that your dad was obsessed with. It was like a bucket list kind of a car for him. Yeah. So, or truck. So I drew this and he actually asked, like, he, he thought I'd researched and figured out that that was his thing. Um, but Greg, Greg, you sent me that, or Chris, sorry. Uh, you sent me that uh, drawing the other day. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was obsessed with Model A Fords. It's just the fact. Um, so I drew this truck and your dad's like, all right, cool flies me back out there and tells me he's going to give me the truck basically like here's the deal i have all these vendors they give me free shit how about you i'm going to give you everything i can get my hands on and you're going to build a truck the only thing he couldn't give me was the body and uh my dad and i flew back out to buy to pick up the parts basically it was the least we could do um and uh and he sends us to what we found out later was little john's house to pick up oh that's awesome uh, uh yeah a, a 29 ford pickup body that boyd had always wanted to use for his dream 29 so i think it, dad and i were talking last night i believe we paid two or three hundred bucks to little john butura for the body for my truck um so then your dad proceeded to just give me fenders i met dave gale gale's rails who did frame rails for your dad and who's really the reason you know his cars looked the old ones look so good is because Dave immediately knew what to do and was stretching the frame rails and, you know, just immediately clicked into Boyd's style and, and, and started helping him do that stuff. I just, I basically met people who I would have never met if it weren't for your dad and that truck. Uh, uh, Brookville Roadsters gave me a, a bed. I said, I don't want that bed. I want a bed with stamp stamped with no stamps. I want it to be plain because I'm trying to do this, 29 pickup that's all clean like you know boyd's cars so uh that's how i uh that's how the truck came about and i don't remember what you just asked me oh uh, about working at the shop oh yeah so all right so here's the deal so then your dad kind of felt like well i you're you know eight, 18 years old i gave you a set of boyd knockoff knockoff boyd wheels by the way 
the you know like he gave me a good twenty five to thirty thousand dollars worth of parts. Nice. So I was I was going to come there, and um, the only way I could move to California through my parents was to uh, go to a Christian college because they're born again Christians. So I was like, I don't care. I didn't hear the title part. Let's do this. And so uh, while I was in college, your dad said, basically, you're going to come work for me at the shop. So I was the receptionist for a while, which I have some funny stories about that as well, um, because your dad had specific rules as to who could come in and who couldn't, and I blew it left and right. Um, (laughs) I was not playing by the rules, apparently. Um, But, uh, yeah, so that's how I worked for your dad for a a season at at the Christian college. So I was there for working for your dad for a year. What college college was that? Um, Pacific Christian College. A Pacific, not Azusa Pacific, a Pacific Christian. No, Pacific Christian in Fullerton, California. Oh, wow. Is it still there? I don't even know if I've Yeah, it is still there. It's an old mall. It's kind of a cool school, but, I mean, the school itself is terrible. It's yeah. a total con artist, but, uh, but, the, <laughs> the, but the architecture is cool. Oh, that's kind of cool. And it's across the street from uh, Cal State Fullerton. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I know where that's at then. So... When did you finish the truck then? Because, you know, I just saw, I think I saw that truck recently, well, recently, a year and a half ago at Columbus. Yeah. There's a cute little couple that bought it. They've um, managed to make it into a four-wheel drive. It's got a whip antenna. (laughs) Come on, really? But but that said, it looks like it did. And short of the interior, it still has the dash that your dad made for me. Because he said, design a, design the insert for the dash. And so I did. You know, I'm an artist. So I came up with a 3D, <laughs> and they made it. And it's gorgeous. So that's still intact. The da- Everything is really still intact. But they took the – your dad gave me a pair of Recaro bucket seats, which in my head, Boyd Coddington gave me a pair of Recaro seats. Don't delete that. They took those out. And when I found out, because my dad's good friends with the, guys, the guy that owns it, his wife, I said, can I have those seats or I'll pay you whatever. Like, you know, they're kind of a big deal to me. And he was like, oh, I gave them to my next door neighbor. Good job. <laughs> can I have them still? Well, you know, let's talk about another piece uh, that's floating out there is that artwork, right? So uh, old business partner, my dad uh, took a bunch of artwork when they shut the, the place down. And he's trying to sell this stuff for like an arm and a leg. He want, What was that? Do you know the story behind that? And, and what we'll do is we'll post um, when when we're done. Uh, I want you to send me pictures of your truck that you have. Okay. And then um, I'll post that artwork because so I get hit up. I get hit up all the time by people that have uh, memorabilia or hey, is this what is this? So someone's got a bunch of stuff, and one of them was one of Dustin's drawings, and it was like a four panel deal, and it was like a, a twenty nine Roadster. Was that what it was? And it's got uh, like, it was a 29, 29 Model A Roadster. Yeah, and it it was um you know had the logo in there. Then you had like a, like a the front section of the suspension. I think a close up of the wheel. But I think the guy wanted like what did I say he wanted for it? Was it fifteen hundred bucks? You said fifteen hundred. Yeah, 15, I'd give him fifteen bucks. Yeah, well, I like your, what you said. What I'll just draw it again, right? You know. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather draw it again. I don't want people to see it, but you can you can definitely post it. <laughs> I was I was I was literally 15 when I drew that for your dad, so it was you know I didn't really know what I was doing yet. Not that I ever have, but it wasn't definitely wasn't my best. And the 
the best, the thing that always, you know, your dad and I fell out here and there quite a few times. And, um, I don't know if that's a common theme, but, um, he, uh, but that picture was always in every office he ever had in every hot rod shop. Yeah. And I just love that. Cause like when the reality show was on, I'm like, yeah, you're not talking to me, but you're, my drawings in your background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and it was funny when that popped up because there was a bunch of other stuff that popped up, and the guy wanted ridiculous money for the stuff, and it's like, you know, that stuff would be cool to have, but it, I don't think it's worth all that. You know, he had a, a Chip Foose drawing of my dad or something he wanted like five grand for, and you're like. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Um, my my dad's thinking about paying 1500 and I'm saying don't. Was he really? He's like, oh, man, we should have that in the family, which I, I mean, I get where he's coming from, but, you know, I, I got 300 on it. I don't have 1500 on it. Yeah. I, uh, like you said, Chris, I'll just draw it again. Right? I mean, it's sentimental value on that one. Well, um, yeah. And you know what? Another thing that sticks out in my head, I remember you as, as you know, I'm, I'm so I'm six years younger, but I remember your, your hair. I remember. Well, oh, boy. You, you had, so. Now I'm thinking now Tom Taylor was your idol. You kind of had like the curly version of Tom Taylor's mullet going on, right? I mean, oh, shit. I sure did. Thanks. <laughs> there we go. Me. Yeah, yeah. This is the good stuff. Hey, uh, what was it? Greg, what Greg Westbury? Because, hey, guys, so here's the problem. So Greg is Greg Westbury, but then there's Greg Coddington that I know very well as well. So it's confusing to me anyway. But, um, yeah, he used to, what, who did you call me, Greg? It was that uh, artist that was famous at the time. Some, I'll, think, I'll think of it while we're talking. But I'm, thinking like, I'm thinking like George Michael. I remember the hairdo. Asshole, no, that's not it. But, um, <laughs> that's, a little, that's, a little, that's a little on the nose, Greg. Thanks. It's, it still fits. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just remember it was like this, this like, it was kind of like a, you had like curly hair, right? So it's like a. Yes. It was like this but, thick, thick curly hair, but it was like a mullet. Was it like a, well, yeah. I don't want to say flock yeah. of singles, it, was a, it was a typical, <laughs> typical Indiana housewife hairdo. Right. <laughs> Literally, a woman would look good that, with that hair, but not a man. It was a pre-Karen. Let alone a 15-year-old boy. Oh. Like, who's the skater? Like like Dorothy Hamill or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good look, though. Yeah, it was good. good. It was, I remember short. It was, it was uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's very Tom Taylor esque. All right, with, All right. With, let's with, just get into this then. So my mom is uh, what we used to call a hairdresser, and she told me since day one, well, since I could hear and speak, that uh, I had a funny shaped head, so I could never have short hair. So my hairdresser mother kept my hair really, really long. And then when I got old enough, and I was into Duran Duran, let's date myself even further. Um, I was trying to do that look. Then I moved to cut to I moved you know, work for Andy Brizio, I go to a barber shop and they're like, you'd look really good with a buzz cut. I get a buzz cut. I send my mom a picture and I'm like, thanks mom. You basically tortured me my entire life. <laughs> not looking like a boy. <laughs> so no wonder I'm fucked up. That's good. <laughs> well, and then we'll get into Greg's, uh, Greg Westbury's story here in a little bit. Cause he's got some cool pictures. And then you had a mullet too, Greg, right? I never had. No, not really that bad. Not too bad. Not as bad, not as, no. bad as him. Not as in full disclosure, my hair was pretty normal. Yeah. So, Greg always looked basically like a guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that, that was the that was the goalpost I was shoot, aiming for at least. <laughs> there, dude. Look, 
the lines were blurred in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, when did you move up? Because then that's uh, – you. when did you move up to go work for Andy's? Uh, when All right, so the so I'm milking my parents for money, going to colleges that I don't care about. So I'm, I'm working – or I'm going to um, IUPUI. Uh, it's called uh, Shoot Karen School of Art, which the only reason it's famous is because David Letterman went there. It's close to my parents' house, and I knew I was about to bolt again to California, but I hadn't figured out how I was going to get them to pay for it. So, um, so I'm. Was that I, Ball? I'm was that going, Ball State? Yeah, it's Ball State. It's a uh, Indian now. I don't. IU and Ball State together. IUPUI somehow. I forget. Um, so, so I've I've reached like a couple years at at the art school. I'm not going to pass. Uh, art history i can feel that coming because i keep falling asleep and i can't i can't remember anything so uh uh, terry brizio keeps calling me oh that's a funny story and um so she's trying to get me to come work for them i sell okay so this is more connected to boyd so through boyd i met dave gale gale's rails the guy that was building all of you know he did the rails for uh the uh the 33 coupe uh i forget who on that one and then um muscleman's roadster okay dave gale did those so then you know i get a free frame from him suddenly we're best friends uh and um where am i going with this again uh what were you just talking about oh yeah so i talk, get the job. talk about terry yeah thanks um i get the job at andy's t-shirts and um I, uh, because I sold, uh, so, so when I got, when I got tired of the truck, I was trying to sell it to anybody who would slow down long enough. The coolest person that wanted to buy it was, uh, Musselman, your, you know, your dad's client that Jamie Musselman is still, you know, I'm a huge fan. Do you know what's going on with him now, Chris? No, not at all. I haven't talked to him. My brother just saw something somewhere about him. He's still into cars, but okay. you know, your dad's. Anyway, so um, I uh, I trade the truck for a 29 Sport Coupe, you know, whole project, and and this Lincoln that uh, that uh, Dave Gale had built to look like Musselman's Lincoln that Boyd built. Remember when your dad had those black Lincolns? Yeah, Pete Peterson had one too. Yeah, yeah, he did a few of them. Yep. Anyway, so I had one. And by the way, how I used to sell cars, I'd put them in the back of Street Scene Magazine and put contact Boyd Coddington. <laughs> they were nothing to do with Boyd Coddington, by the way. But I hey, people that. still do that, you know. I'm just <laughs> do they? And then Boyd's after last a few build. Years, that always pops up every couple months. Boyd's last build. Your dad called, like, after a few years said, hey, fucking stop putting that because <laughs> we're getting a lot of calls. And I had nothing to do with that piece of shit. So <laughs> just knock it off. But so uh, I sold the Lincoln for 12 grand. You know, I'm, it's I don't know what year it is. It was a lot of money to me. And I flew out to California to meet with the Brizios because they've been begging for like two or three years by now. And and they immediately hired me. And um, that's how I moved to Northern California. Wow. I actually got to pull that all together. Wow. And then what? So what year is that? Because you're what about twenty one? Nineteen ninety. Okay. I was. It was either nineteen ninety or nineteen ninety one, and I was twenty or twenty one. I forget. Okay. 
And then you started doing shirts, which, I mean, anybody who's ever been to any car show over the last 40-something years, right? I mean, you've, you've, and you've bought any shirts, you've bought an Andy's T-shirt. Yeah, right. And he did <clears> – <throat> Andy had his fingers in everybody's pie, which was cool because, you know, just these hot ride guys knew he did really, really super quality – you know, and that I have to hand it to him. He was ahead of the game on that. He did really super high-quality T-shirts. They were um, relatively expensive, but it made sense because they always sold. And it was usually Tom Taylor. They kept trying to get Tom to leave his life in L.A. and move up there to ship parts of, you know, like Concord and um, work. And he wouldn't do it. So they got the discount version, Dustin Hill. Nice. Well, and then that – how long did you spend up there? Because – um, I worked for them for five years, and then I moved back to Indiana and started uh, building hot rods, which is where your dad and I recombined efforts because he bought this uh, 51 Plymouth that um, your brother Greg Coddington uh, wanted. Was that the wa- then, oh, is that the wagon? Yeah, that champagne colored wagon. Yeah, that thing was cool. We took that on a Maracruise one year. Yeah. That's cool. It, it, it's not a very documented car because it's so not really Boyd's style, I guess. But um, that was pretty cool. He put, you know, well, I had I put Boyd wheels on it. He gave them to me. Um, but then he changed those. Greg did. And um, that was kind of a pretty cool experience because then he gave us he gave us a in trade. We got a stock 63 uh, uh, Impala wagon which I was already on the wagon thing, the wagon train, but I, uh, it was that 63. Well, I just built a 60 or a 51 Plymouth. Then I got the 63 from Boyd and that that's where I went to from all to just wagons. Now I'm a wagon guy. I build wagons. That's what I do because I'd always loved them. And then I realized how much I love them. I'm a huge fan of wagons. I had a wagon. They're cool. I had one wagon in my life. Um, you you know you can fit a lot of kids in them and shit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, so you, you know what? And then you know your brother ended up your brother, uh, and I wish he was here. He just couldn't. We couldn't coordinate. He had to go to work today. So um, because also he, he's a little bit of a bitch. <laughs> you, know, you think that was it? You think that's it? Well, no, he could fill this in because he came out and he went to college. Uh, after he went to college, he came out, and I was in college because he's two years older than me. Um, Jason Strait, stop saying he came out. <laughs> okay, no, he didn't come out. He came out to California. <laughs> so, so he came out to California, and this is right after graduation because I was still in college. I was still messing around in college. I don't know what I was doing. Um, and then he worked for us, and he actually you lived. were messing around. Yeah, I was. That pretty much uh, wasn't getting wasn't getting working on my grades. Dude, I remember like one time we I was in I was in Southern California with my brother. I didn't really know what pot was. <laughs> well, anyway, so keep going. What? Oh yeah, no. I mean, yeah, th- th- that was that was the thing at community college. We used to park at the back of the parking lot and have to walk the longest way, hoping you'd run into somebody that would talk you out of going to class. You know, so, <laughs> and, and it, it usually worked because uh, other people had the same idea. But yeah, I mean, I you know, Jason had that. He came out here and he had that uh, that Falcon Sprint, Falcon. that Falcon Sprint convertible, yeah. all original. 
And if you guys have been following me or any of our ads over the years, uh, we've used it. Jason lives, what, a quarter mile away from the shop here? <laughs> Half a yeah. mile, you know? And um, I kind of have well, to. Well, we walked your shop one day, and I don't like to walk. It's pretty close. Yeah, it's close. And you know what? A, a few years ago, like three years ago, I had to prod him on doing something with the, the Falcon because I was like, hey, listen, I got this SOB wheel. It's perfect for it. Let's swap your wheels out. Because he had original Boyd Vintage. Was that with Vintage Wheels, right? The Halibrand-looking wheel? Yeah, yeah. And I just said, look, I, I got this new finish with the Cerakote. So maybe it was like four years ago. So we swapped those things out, and that's such a cool car. But going back, I had a 66 Nova, and um, – one Saturday, we decided, hey, listen, we're going to just – we're going to bring these to the shop, and we're going to lower these things, right? And it was one day that there was nothing going on at the shop. My dad said, yeah, guys, do whatever you want. Um, and I remember we were doing it, you know, cutting springs and all this stuff, right? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember – I'm not going to mention – are we talking about the gold Nova? Yeah, it's the go- – yeah, yeah, the gold one. Oh. That thing was so cool. And then um, – Oh, dude. Yeah, so – the, the, I'm not going to mention any names, but there was one person there that watched us do all this work all day, and just kind of, you know that you know sitting there. And there's a picture of actually when we were done, we were sitting back and we we're just kind of stoked on the on the end result on both our cars. We parked it yeah. in front of the mural, you know, the, over there on Mon- Monroe. Yeah, the, the, in the back of the old shop. Yeah, we we you know he pulled his in one way, I pulled mine, and I'm going to post that picture. I have it. Jason's got it. You so, have to, please. Yeah, Greg. so we, Greg, we took Greg. the right after we took the picture, we're high fiving each other, Sprint. going bitch, and then that that su- person comes over and goes, "Well, you really fucked these cars up, kids. Really fucked them up." And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Come on, man! You watched us do this all oh. day, and you didn't. You waited till we were done, and and you know, ah, whatever." But um, all right, so I have to, I have to tell you. Do you know this story? So. Um, the, uh, what was that, uh, that family that worked for your family? Um, Rod was the kid. Yeah. Rod Brogdon and his dad, Dick Brogdon so yes. the Brogdon. and Melba. Okay. Yes. So it was when Boyd had decided red was no longer his color and black was his color, which was cool. Cause it was when my truck was around. So I loved it because I was basically trying to say, Boyd built this anyway, nobody believed that. Um, so, uh, your, your dad was telling me a story that because they actually drove a brand new Suburban uh, from California to uh, to the National, the street or National in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And he was he didn't like the way the Suburban sat. So he heated. He was he he was he was out there. And I, I, I believe him <clears throat> was out there with a torch heating the uh, leaf springs at the back because. You know, you can heat them and then they'll like it'll drop it. Yeah. But he heated it too much and it was already loaded with all the crap. So um, the leaf spring broke and cost them a day because they had to find a leaf spring for the one side of the the uh, suburban. I think anyway. Was that the black suburban? Yeah. Yep, I remember that. It was when he was doing the black. It was when he talked or Musselman wanted to paint the. You know, that was, to me, the worst abomination ever. Was yeah. Muscleman. Going the from B400 red to black. Never oh, the B400. Oh, and, okay. now, and now it has um, uh, Phillips Specialties wheels on it. Eesh. Like, I don't hate the company, but no. you know that car was built by Boyd Coddington. Exactly. Right. Eesh. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Jason and I did our share of uh, when I had that Eclipse, that all-wheel drive Eclipse. 
I was too broke to do the. Oh yeah. I was too broke to do the full coilover setup all the way around. So, you know, Jason, it was Jason goes, hey, let's let's just torch the springs, and it sat cool, but it rode like shit after that. Dude, uh, that's I mean, you know, uh, Greg Westbury and I met in a similar circumstance, but Jason and I are no strangers to the torch. We're from Indiana. <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, Jesus. Literally, <laughs> no, literally one time, this is this is a God's honest fact. My mom rented, it was a uh, BMW convertible. We torched the springs, but it was a rental car. <laughs> she returned it. They didn't know. That's funny. So she got, you know, while her car was in the shop, which was an American car, um, we drove around in a BMW convertible. It was slammed. That's awesome. That's all Jesus. And you never heard anything back about that? We had, um, no, she got away with it. So, and we have no shame. <laughs> well, then let's talk about how you met Greg. So you, you're up in uh, the Bay Area working for Andy's, and then Greg, mm-hmm. Greg pops in. You tell that story, Greg. I know. So it was through Terry. I don't recall if Terry. Yeah, Terry Brizio. I don't know if she called. She might have called me to say, I got this cool guy that moved here. You'll like him. He's in the hot rods. Or if we, like one of the many times, had to fix one of Dustin's too much heat on the spring jobs. <laughs> that sounds more familiar. Like she called me like, hey, I got this really cool guy. Like he needs his car fixed. So I remember one time he, put, he had like a 70 Chevelle that was really badass, black, five-spoke billet wheels. Boyd he's over and he's like, walks in all nonchalant. He's like, yeah, just kind of hit a bump and it kind of steers funny now and I want to check it out. So we put it up on the rack and we're all like, our jaws are on the floor because this car's so low. He's been driving it like this for, I don't know, a year. Yeah. The whole front cross member on the bottom is gone. It's ground off from hitting the <laughs> pavement and just like, you didn't see sparks or hear any noise or anything funny. It's like, nah, one day the steering kind of got tight. So we'd go back and <laughs> fix things, weld and plate things for him. It was just insane. And I mean, he's right. About, I believe the car, the story about heating the springs on the rent car. Cause he did not give a fuck about <laughs> how it got there. It just, it had to be on the ground. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, that was um, uh, like, how many cars do you think Dustin, you and your brother over the years have just picked up, slammed on the ground, put said Americans or Boyd's on and sold. Uh, good seventy five for sure. Yeah, I mean a your lot. your brother still he's on a little kick. He showed up in the last couple years with some couple S tens that were really nice. Yeah, dude, he's knocking those out of the park. So those square bodied S tens are hot. Oh, I mean, yeah. with COVID and the money, who knows how that's going to go? But like the eighties eighties version. Yeah, yeah and the square body. Uh, you know, he, my dad went through those when we were kids. Um, Greg, you had that blazer, right? Yeah, I had a couple blazers that were they were killer at the time. I love those things. But I'm like, really, Jace? Like seriously? Because there's better technology and you could flip that. Um, but he's like, no, because he bought one, and then people just go nuts over him, and he's making money on these things. He buys these mint condition oh, S10 yeah, nice. blazers. Yeah, and they and they do drive. You know, I've you know I've driven them. So he's flipping S10s. Yeah, if that blue Still one, if, yeah, if that blue one he had would have had a four point three in it, I probably would have bought it off him. Oh, dude, right? Yeah, yeah. didn't have like a, a small. Was it a four cylinder or something? Yeah, it's the two. It was a was gutless it the motor. Two point, I don't know, two point eight. But and I he likes the he likes 
he likes sticks so much that they drive like tractors to me. I'm like, right, but Jace, this is a four cylinder, and I have this giant handle to work. I, I'd rather I don't want to sit in LA traffic shifting. I'm yeah, not no, buying this. Not at all. But um, so Greg, were you in? Were you in the custom car business? Is that how you started? Is that? I mean, is that? I was. Do- yeah, well, what I recall about 1989, I went into doing that full time. I worked for my dad before that. My dad had a breaking front end shop that had been around since the 50s. And I remember he, about 1987, I was doing car, like real high end car audio stuff. And he, you know, I wasn't making any money. And I just, I topped out, I was making like 11 bucks an hour. And I was frustrated. My dad says, come run my shop. Because back then he wanted to retire. So I went to work at, it's called Concord Safety Center. Went to work there for a couple of years, and then he he bought a commercial building. So at the end of the building, there was an empty spot. Somebody had moved out, and he had a, I think he bought a forty-seven Buick. So the guy that worked for my dad um, was going to put a front clip under it and lower it and shit. And we ended up chopping it. I helped him, and I remember one day being over there in the afternoon on my own, just kind of wandered next door. And my dad's like, "What are you doing?" I go, well, "I'm just making some gas tank mounts or something." And he's like, "Fuck that! I mean, there's no money in this shit. Go next door where the you know." He was not trying to discourage it, but he's like, the money's in next door doing repairs and shit. And I just wasn't, that wasn't my interest, you know? You're a hot rod guy. Yes. I mean, it's just being creative. I mean, I just, that's, you know, I've kind of come to realize that long ago. But, you know, shortly after that, I mean, I remember when I worked for him, I made $600 a week. And he, about, you know, a year after, let's say, the Buick incident, he, you know, the welding shop's backing up with a brand new TIG welder that I bought with my money. My dad's all, what are you doing? I go, I want to learn this stuff. I want to learn to get as good as I can at it. And just, you know, having that drive um, is what's got me to where I am today. I mean, I just I just bought a Haas CNC mill yeah. a year and a half ago, brand new from the you know, I'm driving away with a ninety thousand dollar invoice, going, "What the fuck am I doing?" But I want to learn it. I didn't know how to do anything with it. No, that's and totally cool. Because picked... you know, I, I've watched you over the years. You know, because you you've taken to social media pretty good, and you um, showing your stuff. And I mean, you you got into the bike building stuff too, right? I did. Yeah, I did the car stuff for. Got to the point where um, I outgrew that small shop, and then went out on my own and got a bigger place, and then. I was in the other, I had my own, my own shop for, let's say six, seven years. And then I bought a piece of property with a house and I built a shop there. And that was about 2000, about 2000, I bought my first bike. And it, it happens, funny story it happened because I was, I was engaged to, or going to be engaged to my wife. And I, I bought her a ring and I'm making payments on this engagement ring. And before I get it paid off, we broke up. So I'm like, fuck it i'm gonna go buy a brand new i want a brand new harley so i went to the jeweler and i'm like hey i need my money back for that ring and he's like i bought that ring for you i want i'm not giving your money back so i'm like god damn it so i just paid it off put it in my safe and then i i got i called boyd's and i'm like hey all the stuff you guys make wheels engine cover i send me one of everything and i built a bike slowly but in that process it took me about a year and a half to do it but I built something pretty spectacular that if I would have bought the stock Harley, nobody would have given a shit and wouldn't recognized it. But the first bike I built landed on the cover of VQ. It was called Vintage Quarterly Magazine. And back then, that was the Easy Rider magazine. That was a big deal, you know. And that just kind of launched people bringing bike stuff to me. Um, and it just kind of morphed into that because I've always had either me or one other guy. And it's just 
you know, by myself, I can build a motorcycle in a few months. You can't do that with a car. A car yeah. is a lot more airy to touch. And it's just, you know, a lot. So I kind of morphed into bike stuff. And then when I built the shop at my home about 2003, I was exclusively doing bikes then. I mean, just one after another. And it got to the point where I got invited to do artistry and iron. And then I remember talking to my wife one night at dinner. I said, I need to find a, a customer that will fund, you know, $40,000, $50,000 build. And she goes, you know what? Why don't we just do it with our own money and you can go crazy and do whatever you want. And that's, that's when I built that, what I consider like my best bike is that lucky bike. Was that, that, the, is that, that, that the blue one? No, the lucky bike was a cream colored frame. Um, it, it looked like gorgeous. tough wheel, but it looked like, you know, reminiscent of an old Schwinn and just a bunch of old, all vintage stuff that I tried to build something kind of timeless, but still, had an edge to it. And then we, so we took that to artistry and iron. That was 20 builders in the world compete. You know, they call people from France or whoever, and every builder gets a vote and I won it. And all of a sudden it's like this guy in the garage kind of, you know, got some notoriety and that weekend, um, discovery had discovery channel had, had, uh, their, their agents there, whatever they walked by and Hey, do you want to do biker build off? And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. And then, you know, we did biker build off. And I mean, to me, to get to that point to where, you know, I, I literally started out with a wire feed welder and a coffee machine and a lot of wants and a lot of just ambition <laughs> and to get to the point where they're going to come here and film me building a bike. I mean, I made it, you know, and that's, that's to me, that's, it doesn't get any better than that. That's awesome. You were, you were, you were, you were contending with the, what was that reality show that OC motorcycle company? Well, no. My, so my competition on build off was Brian Fuller, who was an old ex Chip Foose employee. And Brian's a talented oh. guy. I mean, I was scared. And, you know, I mean, in all rightfulness, the build off, the, the vote on that, it's like a popularity contest. That really doesn't have a whole lot of water, you know, okay. as far as. But, but we've also won um, since then, we've won two America's Most Beautiful Motorcycle Awards. In fact, the bike that I built is the first name on the trophy. In 2005, they started nice. doing that big trophy for That's bikes, cool. and we got the first name. So it's like, you know, I, I, I accomplished more in the bike business than I ever set out to accomplish. And then um, that's about the time, too, about where the housing crunch hit. And, fuck, you couldn't give those things away. I mean, those bikes lost value, you know, to where they're worth half what they cost. So the last big project I did was for a guy named Mike Avila, who's real fr- good friends with Ari Ness, And they had designed this big bagger. And Arlen built the frame and stretched the frame, put all the wheels on it. They brought it to me, and we actually, uh, me and a, a guy named Solace that worked for me at the time was a really good sheet metal guy. We built the full body on this bike, the fairing, fenders, and saddlebags and all that. Um, and about that time, you know, halfway through that build, Mike walked in the shop one day and worked. He goes, you know, what? you ought to build the rails on my buildings. He, he built, did multifamily residential housing, like apartment complexes and stuff, and I, you know, I'm like, I wasn't really into that. I'm like, whatever, it's simple. You know, what's the deal with that? And he goes, well, shit, dude, some of the gates on those places cost like 50 grand and start throwing numbers like that around. I'm like, holy crap. So I, I pursued that. I got a biz, uh, contractor's license, all the insurances. And then I just kind of, that's what I do now. And it's even more specialized. Like I was doing commercial buildings before when you need four or five guys and trucks and, you know, a ton of insurance and there's a ton at risk. Well, now I just kind of do more specialized metal. Like, you know, right today, I'm actually sitting in a parking lot in Modesto. I'm going to a vendor of mine because 
he's going to roll this. I'm building like a $20,000 dining room table. Wow. So he plasma cuts this full sheet. And he's going to roll it into a cylinder for me. And just, I just kind of do boutique stuff like that one off little stuff. And then, um, the CNC machine, the Haas is kind of like another little sideline I'm getting into, you know, which, um, I still have to kind of find my niche, what I want to do with that. But. Ford Raptor. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I've been watching <laughs> your stuff on social media over the years and, you know, some of the, the commercial um, stuff that you do, like the, the rails and all that stuff's pretty cool, man. I really like that stuff. Thank you. I, appreci- yeah, I appreciate no, that's it. That's really, really cool. It's just kind of, it was cool because you kind of just, you know, like you went through the car thing, you went through the bike thing, right? Yeah. And you just took your talents and went to the next thing. And now you're doing little CNC projects, which are cool. I mean, it's all related, too, because, you know, even though I'm not doing a car chassis or something that's going to get chrome-plated or, you know, painted candy red or whatever, I mean, if I build a planter or whatever, it's still got – I can't take everything I've learned all these years and put it aside and just build it like shit because I, I want to do it quick, you know. So that stuff that stuff has a lot of quality built into it, too. And then also just um, my input, you know. I, I can't sit there and, like, not open my mouth and throw my <laughs> ideas out there for a design or whatever. So it's just – to get all that too but it's fun it just keeps it interesting and i don't have any employees which is so nice i can go in like like now i mean last year we had a really really to put it bluntly a really fucked up year where i I lost my mother-in-law and my wife within a month of each other from cancer and you know we've got a little three-year-old grandson who now it's like you know i wake up in the morning and if he's there i can hang out with him for a couple hours have my coffee and just you know, I'm, I'm nowhere near retired, but I'm like kind of relaxed and kind of re-centered my compass on what's important, and it's that stuff, you know. And well, that's cool, man. I mean, that's yeah, fucking so amazing. The, uh, the doing the ironwork stuff gives me the freedom to do that. I don't have to be down there at seven in the morning, and you know, which is nice. So yeah, no pressure, and you just be as creative as you want to. Well, and and you know what, too. Yep. I mean, you get to use your creativity, right? You got. You do some cool projects that, you know, especially when you're doing stuff for like these cities and buildings, they're going to be around for a long time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and exactly. And the thing too, I mean, I talked to Mark work about this one time. So it just kind of hit me. I'm like, you know, cause me and Mark, especially doing bikes, we'd always, you know, you know how it is. You're hustling shit at the last minute. You're not sleeping for three and four days and just, you know, driving miles and miles to the Chrome shop or whatever it is to get this project all done. And it's usually driven by a deadline to be at a show. And you take it to the show and let's say, let's say within a year, the, the shelf life on those badass cars or bikes, it's over. It's like everybody's seen oh, it's it, done. put yeah. it in the fucking garage and nobody gives a shit. And it's like that kind of, you know, you got it's like, is this really important? I mean, I know it's cool to build neat stuff and blow people away, but it's like the shelf life seems like it's so quick on those things that, you know, um, the stuff we do for cities and stuff, like you say, it could be there for as long as it'll last. It might be there 50, 100 years, you know, which is, is uh, it's kind of nice. Yeah, that's totally cool. And, and um, you know, like we we touched on earlier in the conversation, too, like with uh, Dustin's truck, you know, you, you put your heart and soul into it, your design and all that, and then you sell it, and then somebody takes out the seats, someone swaps out the wheels, someone changes what it was. <laughs> yeah. You know? But what I, what I noticed about, and I'll, I'll give you a couple examples, like, your dad's cars are a good example of this. If a car is like iconic and built like something that it helped change or, you know, change the way hot rods were built like Cadzilla, for instance, 
or even oh. Dustin's truck. To the example of Dustin's oh. truck, still looks like Dustin's truck. They didn't. Then mowing you fifty bucks right now, Greg. <laughs> Make it a hundred. Make it a hundred, and I'll keep going. But stuff that's really iconic. Keep going, hundred. Stuff that's really iconic like that, people don't fuck with it. They get it, and it's still like Muscleman's Roadster or the Vern Luce Coupe. Those cars oh. look the same because they were built so right and changed. They just changed the tide of the whole hot rod industry where you're not going to see people flip well, them or stripe them huh. or like free chop it or make it a convertible. It doesn't happen because they're done so right the first time, you know? Well, but there are some exceptions to that because, you know, um, th- there's just like, for example, I liked uh, Jamie Musselman's Roadster just red, the original way it was, right? Yeah. Then it uh, got like changed, right? Then it got changed to black and all that. That's all fine. But then there's like Shazoom where the whole interior was changed and the wheels were changed yeah. and... But you know you are right to a certain extent because it is the, the nothing was messed with the body, right? It, the stance was still there. Um, you know, I mean, doing a wheel change or something is a matter of bolting, bolting back on what was on there. But uh, you know, a lot of cars you'll see people take and completely redo them, and it's like it's it's kind of like a big fuck you to the guy that built it the first time. You know? Yeah, there was a yeah, there was a car very low back. What's that? Very low back. I mean, his like iconic cars have been destroyed. His he had this oh this is funny sedan delivery thirty two to sedan delivery did a lot of cool shit to it he stretched the front doors and made a sedan delivery look right finally you know as a high boy with his iconic uh, ET rear wheels your dad eventually started building better than ET ever thought of and um, uh, this dickhead bought it hey if you're the dickhead that bought it I hope you're listening um, painted it black. <laughs> And then redid the interior too. And then now he wants 250 grand for it. Look, dude, that car was like a really great $75,000 car and you ruined it. I yeah. hope you never get a penny for it. No, there, there was, Leave it alone. Uh, there was a, th- uh, like a 33 cabriolet. My dad did in 91 a, a local guy owned it. Um, and I would see him at the, um, LA roadster show. And about probably three years in a row, he's like, you know anybody that wants it? And he wanted a lot of money for it. Definitely out of my price range. But it was probably one of the more pristine uh, Boyd cars out there. Um, okay. And it only had like 1,200 miles on it. And you probably remember it. I've posted it over the years because. Um, yeah, it's a good looking car. Yeah, another local guy uh, bought it. And it was cool because he kept the original wheels, but we updated the wheels, which I thought it looked good. Uh, but then he starts going into he put bumpers on it, he put the ru- he put rubber mats on the on the running boards. Oh boy! He changed the mirrors to bigger mirrors, and I asked him, I go, why are you wait, why are you doing this? You 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 had a chance to buy one of the more pristine Boyd cars uh, that were built in the '90s, and he says, well, I'm going to be driving it, and I'm going to be me and my wife. We need to have these things, and I'm going to be touring it. And I go, why don't you just buy another car? You know, right? Why don't you just go build another car. Instead of just driving a driver truck. Yeah. Hey, by the way, okay, so I'm going to do this, and you probably will have to bleep this out. Okay. Greg, and, Greg Westbury and I were just talking about this last night. So BLM, Boyd, Boyd's life mattered. And <laughs> you don't use that to an old Boyd car, fucker. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You're I, an idiot. It's kind of it's it, you know what it, it you can be on either side of it you can say look they bought the car they can do whatever they want with it but uh, I don't know I mean 
Oh, it's not like well, you buy, not, not not like you buy a famous painting and then start adding like little trees to it and it, shit. It, you know, it, like it's, it's right. <laughs> it's it's a little yeah. That's why I'm very appreciative mm-hmm. of um, of Gary Brown who owns the uh, the Vern Luce Coupe. He's out in Australia. He he updated the car, but oh. it's, it's it's he just freshened it up. You know. And... All right, what you, you can't story? you can't tell. It looks okay. exactly like when it was built. Yep. Uh, you want to hear a funny story about that car, Chris, that you may not know. Okay. Um, so when I was, you know, sort of working for Boyd, really just not really doing much of anything. Um, he, uh, uh, I was working with this kid that worked for him. He was the wheel guy at the time, this like 16 year old kid. And he said, by the way, you want to know a funny fact? One side of that one wheel is eight and a half, eight and a half, I think. And the other side was an eight or maybe a seven and a half and a seven because to get it, they were building it for, I think, uh, a big car show. Not, I don't think it was the Amer- you know, world's best, whatever roadster bullshit, but it was something like that. It was a big show and they needed it done. And so one side, and if you look in some photos of the Vern Luce coupe, you can see, Oh, yeah, that one side is wider in the front. I wonder if they ever changed it. I wonder if they ever. They never off. did, and I hope they never do. Well, they hadn't at that point. I don't, you know, I don't. Boyd didn't want to change it, so I don't think it ever changed. That's funny. Yeah, we were fortunate enough about four or five years ago. They came out here for like six months, and we toured it around. That was a cool car. One of my I mean, favorites. yeah, that was like and talk about iconic. You know, that's I remember that car in 19, I want to say 81, 82. We'd go to the Roadster Show here when it was in Oakland. All my high school would go up there, you know, on a Saturday night and just walking down the walking down the rotunda to the main room. And you see that thing. And it was like, what the fuck is this? And who is this guy? Because it was <laughs> so different. Every, you know, everybody back then was building cars with, you know, multicolored candy paint jobs and wire wheels. And they fucking hung out of the fenders and. This thing just killed it and just removed all this, took out all the stops. And it was, it was, it was fucking breathtaking. Yeah. I I'll never they, forget it. It was. Well, when they told him, they, they told him, Hey, look, go cut the top off this thing and bring it back. You'll win the uh, AMBR next year. And, and that's what Muscleman's car became. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how Muscleman's He's car like, happened. wait, I've got a rich Texan on the line. Hold yeah. that thought. Yeah. Hold on line one. Yeah. Yeah. Just be- <laughs> By the way, I'll be uh, back. Chris uh, and and Greg Westbury, do you know that uh, um, Musselman had a he built a garage in Texas, granted, you know, properties basically free. Um, so he built a garage so you could be doing 85 miles an hour and run into the garage. Have you heard this story? Chris? No, not at all. So your dad used to love to tell me that story. And I'm like, I've heard it, but it's still cool. Um so you could you could be doing 85 miles an hour off to the street and go flying into his garage and hit the brakes in time not to hit the end. It was that big of a garage. Really? Just make sure your wife's not getting a screwdriver out of the toolbox at the time you need to see her. Sorry. Yeah, and hopefully your daughter isn't in the way. Since you to right. fucking Arkansas airmail. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, we. Um, and, and you know what we. Uh, I've been trying to get you know some of the. I need to reach out to him because we're getting some of the customers that were involved with some of the iconic builds on here. You know, we just uh, we had Gil Losi on. Oh man, we're about to launch that. So, um, 
you know, just to get their perspective that'd be, that'd on it. That'd be really cool. Because, you know what? It, yeah. It, it, most most people, and, you know, Greg, you know, um, and my dad, it, you know, you have these visions, but, you know, at the time when you don't have any money to build this stuff, you build it on your own time. So You're you, trying to say Greg's broke? No, I'm not saying Greg's Pretty broke. Much. But when he, st- no, when he started, right. when he mean, started out, right, your, like, dad, your dad was trying to get convince well, you to go do on the production side of things to make money. You wanted to build the hot rods, but then it's like, Look, you have all the greatest ideas in the world, but if you don't have the money and the resources to make it come to, to come to life, exactly, because so you don't even need to know how to do it all yourself. You need to know where to go. Like you know, if so and so is a sheet metal guy, and this is the wheel guy and the frame guy, you can be the producer on it. But money is the, the fucking yeah. grand grandiosis of all. Because if you don't have that, it's not going very far. Look at even like I was thinking about last night. Like we built my dad a pretty cool. It was a 49 Cadillac. It was a piece of shit when we got it. Coupe de Ville. The artist that drew it, though, was shitty. Well, yeah, that that was that was doomed from the start. But <laughs> Bit of a we actually, <laughs> we actually pro-streeted the car, cut the top off, made the top removable. That car, when it was all done, my dad said one day, yeah, I got like 30 grand in this thing. It was, you know, not counting our labor. And about the same time, you know, within a year or so, Cadzilla's built. I remember hearing about that car costing upwards of $900,000. And I'm not saying they spent all the time, they earned the money, but just having, you have to have ZZ Top or somebody that can fund that to go along with it. Cause who, I never had a customer that could do that. You know, that, that's, yeah. that's the key, I mean, key ingredient to it all. Yeah. And, and you know what? A lot of people will, you know, especially when the whole rat rod movement happened, it was kind of pushed back on all the high dollar cars, um, which that's cool. That's all fine, but yeah, like re- recentering the compass on something we can afford, or people more people yeah, can afford, and that's totally cool. Yeah, but you also need the people with the big bucks, with the, the to to meet with the guys with the vision and the talent to make to push the industry. You know, well, dude, it's crazy too. Like you know, from someone who's done that, nowhere near on that level, but I've done it quite a few times. Rebuilt stuff from the ground up, and you see, like there, there's a you know about the video it's like a slideshow on youtube showing all the old cars your dad built yeah that's cool to build to build one car like that at a time and see it through is a huge undertaking and you see on the video like some of the slides the pictures of cars they'd be building four or five cars of that same caliber at the same time and i still don't see how they could even manage that and it just it just so much going on and it's all just high quality like nasa quality stuff um, that's a pretty tall order in itself to, to find that many customers that can fund it and actually be able to do them all simultaneously is just, and they're probably build a ton of trucks and shit for the GMC truck well, center at that, the same time. That's also too. Yeah. So, you know, for every, you know, cause back then obviously no internet, no, you know, uh, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't any TV show, uh, hot rod TV shows back in the eighties and nineties. So for every one car that made it into the magazines that year, you know, there was three or four or five that were being built. You know, to to almost that caliber, that no one really got to see unless you were at the shop while it was being built. Sure. So that's what's cool of, about I'm that sure video. A lot of the customers, I'm sure, a lot of the customers were kind of reclusive in the fact that they get their car back from him and drive it local a bit, stick in the garage, and there it sits today. And you know, nobody really got to see them. Well, it's like that cabriolet that just you know that got built at the shop, and it was you know if you were there and you saw it, it, it was you know. But I mean, other than that, it never really was out there. And all of a sudden, it pops sure. up for sale, and you know, um, yeah. And I get I get requests all the time. Can you verify this is a Boyd car? Nine out of ten times, they're not. 
It's yeah, it's some guy. Trick. It's some guy like Dustin on I mean, e- the eBay is, trying like, to. You know, me, me, me just being a fan scene. of your dad's work and following him. I mean, I can tell a Boyd car by walking up just by the signature things they would do. You know, yeah. there's stuff that they. Oh, there's stuff you can tell did. right away for sure. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of times because I consult with other people because some of that stuff's before my time. Some stuff looks like it might be modified, but you know. The guy said, "Hey, I bought it uh, out of the back of Street Scene magazine in 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 '89, out of a uh, Green well, Greenwood, Indiana." Dustin. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> he said, "Boy." The guy yeah, yeah. said, "Boyd built it." Uh, um. Right. I mean, I, 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 you know, he shook my hand. So yeah. Boyd built it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. That- that's cool. Oh, so, Greg, have you been on the, the cover of Chrome and Flamin uh, lately? Not lately, but it's been quite a while. That's but, funny. Uh, I like I how you post those old pictures. That's totally cool. I found that in my garage a couple weeks ago, and I was like, there's no fucking way. I mean, the guy, I remember that day specifically. He's like, just go stand by the truck. The French guy, I think his name was Alan. Go stand by the truck. And I go, I don't want my picture. You know, I won't put it in the magazine. And it comes, and it's a fucking two-page spread with me standing there looking like a freaking dork. (laughs) (laughs) And that that was obviously also before In-N-Out burger franchise (laughs) made its way to Northern California. (laughs) That's cool, though, man. Yeah, those. Uh, th- th- remember that Chrome and Flamin. There's a, a, a few other uh, European magazines that were pretty popular, and those guys would like they yeah. come out like every summer. You know, dude. Back then, like you said, back then there was no internet. There was that was it. If you made it in a magazine, you're you're the shit. You know, and then unfortunately, we made it in a lot of stuff that I didn't even expect to. But it that was a that was a huge compliment back then. You know, to get in a magazine. I mean, a lot of people couldn't. Um, but it's still a huge compliment, I think, to get in a magazine. Personally. Yeah, I mean, it's just the magazines, oh, sure. the, the printed magazines are kind of, eh, yeah. Yeah, they're they're going away, they're but going there's away. a couple like that wheel hub, that wheel hub. Oh, wheel hub magazine, nice, they're doing quality. a good, they're doing a good job. You know, they got that higher end feel. You know, was actually spending the time yeah, to take the pic, the good nice pictures. Yeah, yeah, really good, printed really but well. You, you know, you've been doing the, you've been doing the shit a long time. When I remember, like Dave Gale. I never met the man, but we I'd call and order a set of frame rails. We'd talk on the phone for an hour, just like your old friend. But, you know, the next week would show up a big envelope full of photos he'd send me. Because that's back then, that's how you communicated. And I still have to do that. I saw them on my desk of stuff he sent me. It's, like, so weird to think about. Now, you know, I could I can be taking a CNC cutting something and take a picture, a video of the thing machining and send it to the customer. And it's just, like, it's crazy how much all that stuff's changed. Yeah, how do we um, – are you posting – I know I follow you on on Facebook and stuff, and you post stuff on there. Do you have a specific social media for all the stuff you're doing now? Just me, just my name. Um, and th- there's one, there's a vintage machine page too, um, vintage machine and manufacturing. That's kind of my little CNC thing. But I try to on Facebook, I try to reserve it to just maybe projects I built on the ironwork side or pictures of my grandson, and just kind of family shit and try to keep the politics and all that crap. There's plenty of that on there already. Yeah. I'm already, I'm already doing a lot of that for you. So you don't need to worry. I know you got, you got it covered. (laughs) I got a lot of other people. Well, I got it. I got like four more days. I got like four more days of this. Then I'm done. Right. Yeah. After next Tuesday. Back back to shit. We want to see like wheels and girls. Well, I just, you know, people will comment and and they go, Hey man, you know, I I like you when you post stuff of cars and wheels and stuff and not the political stuff. It's like, well, you're you're on the right network. You're just on the wrong channel, dude. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know. I got exactly. I got two Instagram pages and I got I got two Facebook uh, pages. You go to the hot rod stuff. I I don't post anything political on there. You know, 
what what's uh what's new um what's new in in, in your world dustin anything car related uh a studebaker wagon air that i um <clears throat> bought like 600 years ago i uh i'm working on that finally so the do you know about a studebaker wagon air no you're gonna tell me all right so it was there it was studebaker was des- like this designer came in and basically like kind of a tom taylor of the time like trying to change shit up and it he, had a mu- like, he had a mullet probably <laughs> most like no 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 but he did have a fake wife but anyway um so this designer was like started doing studebakers and uh making them kind of cool because it was a really sleepy company and they were always on the verge of distinction so he uh there this car you can slide the i'm a wagon guy and this was always oh so when we came out to meet uh well when we met your dad in 85 i think it was we went to the peterson museum and there was a studebaker wagonaire and i'm like i'm gonna own one of those things one of these days so i do it's still rotting in the driveway as we speak um, but so you, from the back of the car, you can slide the top forward. So they call it a convertible station wagon. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually looking at one right now. Yeah. yeah so I've got cool. one that's sitting on the ground and I'm going to either really do it or just put it on eBay. I haven't figured it out yet, but, um, yeah, I've got that. That's going together. That's pretty cool. <laughs> My dad, however, has a 1948 Chevy uh woody that my brother funded a set of 20 inch wheels and um it is sitting well for he, he didn't know, get the wheels for me though. Wheels. So it's really good that car is going to be cool despite my dad and all of his trepidations whatever but yeah well that'll be cool yeah, yeah i need to give your brother some shit because he does ha- he he's got cool taste but sometimes his taste is a little cheap He's trying to flip these cars. He's super cheap. God, Jason. tell him, yes. Michael. Come on, man. You know? Yeah, come on, dude. You make a lot of money. You work, you know, you're, yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah. I wish he could, you know, we'll get him on, too, because um, he, he's definitely, he's had some, uh, you know, he because when I asked him to come on, he goes, uh, no, my brother's got all the stories. I don't have any stories. I go, dude, <laughs> you worked at the shop. Yeah, when I... Come on. He's got all the stories. He's worked at what Porsche Design Center. He works at the Kia yeah. Design Center for the last 10 years. He worked for Mercedes, BMW. Merce- yeah. like he's worked for all the companies. He's, you know what? Yeah. All right. Well, that's. He's well, just we'll, a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. That, that'll, that'll be the same. Hey, Justin, remember, cut that out. <laughs> I got to mention one of the one of the week. Remember the weekend? I don't know how, how it started, but we ended up going to L.A. for the L.A. Road oh. Show. Their Father's Day run. Yeah. And like nonchalant, yeah, let's go down there. So we leave on a Friday night after work and get there like at 2.30 in the morning. He's like, I mean, we don't have a room or anything. Dustin's all, hey, you want to go see where Boyd's shop is? And I'm like, sure, why not? So we drive by there and they were actually working. And it was Larry, the chassis guy, and Larry oh, Erickson wow. working on the Luma Coupe. Oh, wow. They were, he was out for the weekend. They're down there just thrashing while he was here. And then Saturday, we went over to your house. You got your you and your brother obviously lived there. You guys were young kids. Yeah. And then went over there in the morning. Had I think we had coffee with Boyd or breakfast or whatever. But they took Cadzilla was brand new, and they drove that over there. Or they I think they towed it there. 
But I remember being there at the end of the day and somebody goes, hey, should I call so-and-so to tow it? And your dad's like, fuck it. We got to drive that thing. Just drive it back. And they're like, oh, you sure? Like, you know, this is like the crown jewel. Yeah. And I remember the podcast with Keith Russell talking about um, following that car back. We were in that same lineup of cars. And oh, I didn't wow. even, I had no idea who Keith was back then. But just um, – and then – That's cool. Dude, the coolest part was like being there like – I met your dad for the first time that weekend and it's, we get after the show, we go by your house and it's me and your dad and Dustin in the front room, just bullshitting about cars. And it was just like, so, so intimidating, but so fucking cool. And the thing, like I thought about it too, is like, if I could go back in time and change something, the one thing I would have done. So my business was probably a year or two old at that time. I would have said, yeah, put it on hold. I would have went down there and worked for him just to be around the kind of quality and stuff they did. Cause I always just, it just made my jaw hang open when I just drop and I saw that stuff. Yeah. That's cool. That was perfect. That that's a cool story. Yeah. That those years were like that. That's when there was like the epicenter of hot rodding here in Southern California. Oh, dude, yeah. I remember like at, at the show, like your mom was selling merchandise, like hot rods by boy, like fluorescent pink and green hats. Right. Oh, she would sell <laughs> one and she, all that stuff she'd write on her piece. Dude. Dude, she write on a piece of paper like so and so bought a hat like eight dollars or whatever, and it's like it was so it was like it was so small compared to what it turned into, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, because my dad crazy. had this thing where it was uh, they tried to do this like this one body glove was uh, popular, right? Uh, yeah. So they had these. I, I never wore them. They were like these volleyball shorts, right? They were like these. Remember those? Oh yeah. You guys remember those? The, the, it was yeah. uh, they called it the Boyd Coddington the wedge or something like that, and they had these puppy because that's what they gave you. Oh, yeah. dude, <laughs> pretty much. But it was they were like these big uh, day glow colors, and they were big these big puffy shorts. And I remember going, who's gonna wear that shit? Uh, and like you know, because this wasn't the hot rod stuff. It was it was like goofy eighties looking stuff. Cars, you cars know? Yeah, stuff. he was trying to. <laughs> yeah, they were trying to get out of the just hot rod stuff. You know, and that they, was the shit back then. Oh, dude, and they had like the remember like the hoodies with like the built in fanny pack in the front. It was like, yeah, <laughs> that was, I don't know. Yeah. I'm glad stuff I don't that should that never be well. mentioned again on this podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, jeez. And the fucking parachute pants, like MC Hammer pants, they call them, they're all loose, like people could dance in them and shit. Yeah, like, yeah, the muscle <laughs> pants or whatever, you know. <laughs> a lot of Dude, that's what I love. Chris, that's what I love about your mom. She is so, like, in tune with making money. That's, you know, she's very focused. Yeah, she was, like, the balance. And, and my dad would be, you know, the entrepreneur, like the guy going, oh, we got to go do this and we got to do this. My mom's like, hey, can we do this? You know, we got to throttle it back yeah. a little they, bit. Your, you dad, your dad's like, Walt Disney, we're going to do this. We'll, we'll figure out how to pay for it later. It's, it's got to happen. You yeah. Know? No, yeah. I mean, pretty much, you that, know. That's how you get – that's how great things happen. You chase that vision at any fucking cost to get things done, and, you know, you see it a lot. Yeah, and then you just – you know, I think in, in some ways, though, you got to also know when to maybe hand it off to somebody who can just manage it better, you know? But sure, but, but always being driven by your vision. So, because even yeah. now I have no employees and I don't do, I can build shit really well and I can run the office really well. I can't really do both well, so I have to take you know just keep it really simple and stay on top of shit, but just deliver a quality product. And that's where my focus is. And if I never had to go into an office again, I fucking love it. I don't want like oh no man. that shit. I want to chase money and pay bills, and that sucks. Yeah, I'm in. That's I'm in the same boat, man. I want to, you know. um I don't ever ha- want to get it to a level where 
where my dad had it at Boyd's Wheels having almost 400 employees and all that stuff. No. Um, no, oh, I, li- no. I like what I do now. Uh, you know, I deal directly with small shops and I deal with, uh, you know, I have a handful of distributors. They're great guys. They know the product. They, they're enthusiasts. And then I deal with the end user who's building the car. And it's like every little set is a little project for me. You know, it's like, it's like a boutique wheel shop. That's it. You didn't get that back at Boyd's. They were doing so much volume. It was, you know, just impossible. Yeah, no. And and I'm just trying to keep that, you know, just keep that vibe, you know, if you will. Um, So yeah, I'm having fun. I'm glad you guys are having fun. The set of quality, the the stuff you're making now is the quality is just like, it's as good as it can get. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, we're trying to, I mean, you're doing it. We're, you know, you know, and that's the thing is when you run a small shop and trying to just push it and come up with new stuff and, you know, and just, but you know what, it, it, like I said, it helps when you work with the people that are out there doing the cool stuff because I'm just a wheel builder. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but yeah, well, you know what, guys, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, I do. I really appreciate you guys. This was this was fun. Yeah, I had a, a lot, lot of fun. A lot oh, of definitely, fun, man. Definitely. No, this was Thanks totally. Thanks for cool. I'm, I'm glad we. Uh, I'm glad we're still able to all be friends over the years and yeah. be able to call and talk to each other like it's you know, we haven't missed a beat. Uh, well, this well, it'd be cool too. Maybe if we ever all get down to LA together, go do one in person. You know, we can definitely recap. That'd and, be a blast. Yeah. Well, yeah. and the you know what? Don't, the uh, stories don't stop. And you know what? Since since the last oh. podcast in the last in the last week, we lost another another hot rodder legend, uh, Fat Jack Robinson oh, passed, passed away last week. Dude. So, yeah. So you know what? A big um, deal. Yeah, and and you know what? Just in the last three four years, we lost so many people. Um, just in our little little group out here in on the west coast that uh, yeah i don't know what we're gonna do but it's it's kind of a it's it sucks in california right now to look anywhere ahead to having any kind of event yeah right you can't do yeah. it yeah yeah because uh, uh you know we have a uh i don't want to get into the politics of our ridiculous uh, government here in california but um I've talked to John, uh, Jack's son, and and maybe we'll do something in spring if the restrictions lift where we can maybe celebrate uh, the lives of some of these guys, you know, like Bob Bowder's passed away in the last few years. Uh, you know, my dad, uh, uh, you know, Fat Jack. We got, you know, just when th- when that happens, that's where we'll meet up. We'll be down there for sure. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do something, man. Because yeah. uh, you know, there's a plus. What's Fat Jack's kid's name? What's Fat Jack's kid? Uh, his oldest is John. Uh, John. John. Johnny John. Rotten. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, he he one time saw me at Super Chevy. Boyd was right there, but. In Indianapolis, and he was like, "When are you going to stop dipping your cars in white paint?" Because you know, like to him, we don't do chrome. We don't. We back then. Yeah. And I just thought that was hilarious. Like he's like, "Yeah, the monochrome thing is dead," <laughs> and he's kind of right. The monochrome thing is dead. Yeah. By yeah. The way. Oh, yeah. No. Years ago. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the update. This just is. That was fat, Jack. Like yeah, that, that was oh, years ago. A, 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 if there's ever been an unfiltered human being ever, that was him. Right? Oh, dude, he's amazing. Yeah, he just didn't didn't give two shits about anything he would say. Uh, you know, I got yeah. We've had if you listen to the uh, John's been on the podcast, uh, and there's some the good some good stories there. But all right, guys. Well, thanks again, and um, look forward to seeing you guys in the future. All right, Chris. Thanks for having us on Let's again. Do this Appreciate again, it. man. Yeah, yeah, dude, this was good. Well, we're right, gonna get Jason on next time because he does. Despite what he says, he's got tons of stories. You know? He does. So, all right, guys. We well, have a, have a great rest of your day and have a great weekend. Yeah.
All right, right cool. Yeah, Doug, Cheers, mate. Dustin, Greg, thanks for being on the show. Chris, it's great to be back in the studio oh, here doing, doing what we love, the, yep. the podcast, and telling uh, these stories and documenting them. Uh, to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back around next time, and uh, have a good one, guys. See you. Take care. All right, bye, boys. All right, guys, see you later. See you later. Bye.